somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Cavoda. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So uh, we're still counting. We're still counting. You know, it's funny. Has this become the new normal where you never have an election day, an election evening with results? You know, they used to say, oh, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll find out, um, you know, how it all turned out. Well, now it's going to be like you're going to wake up the next day and the next day and the next day and you're still not going to know hey the good news is lauren bobart's in the lead she's yeah. going to keep her seat well which is great because I two days it. ago um two days ago they were saying that you know she was done so that's always a good uh, piece but of news how in the world you know you're in a district where it's a rural district it's a rural district right in colorado i don't know how many votes uh, is needed but Let's see. Uh, how many votes? Let's see. Lauren Bobart, right? Bobert. 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 All right. So I don't have a... Yeah, right here. Okay. Well, that's a lot of votes, actually. 157,000. Um, she's 150... That's a lot more votes than I was expecting, actually. Yeah, it's, was, apparently, because, it's you know, not one of those districts where a new person's born and they change the sign no, Acacia, population. Yeah, one. <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez, for example, won by like 15,000 votes. Yeah. Yeah, she got 15,000 votes in, in her small district. In this case, though, this is a rural district three uh, in Colorado. It's 157,743 for Lauren Boebert. And this was uh, 98% reporting. This was from 19 hours ago. Uh, it says 157,357 versus 743. So both are at 157,000. So do the math. Seven fifty. You know, it's, it's about 400 votes. So it was 62 votes or 64 votes or something like that. Where where uh, Adam Frisch had the uh, advantage, and now Lauren Bobart is going to keep her seat, and they may not even need a runoff since she's at fifty 
49.1%, and he's at 49.9%. I think if you get over 50%, you, you can avoid a runoff. Well, Colorado's not a runoff state. Okay. So well, the only no, states... Were, oh, no, no. Okay. They were talking about a recount. A recount, yeah. yeah. The only runoff states are Georgia and Louisiana. Yes. No, they were talking about a recount. A recount, not a runoff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man. Um, so, you know, when we take a, uh, a look at the uh, Tuesday election, it may not be the red wave we thought we were going to get. It's not looking like a red wave or a red tsunami, but what were the goals? And you have to ask that question. What are the goals? What was the goal? If it was a red wave, we'd win back the House and we would lose the Senate. If it was a red tsunami, we would win back the House and pick up the Senate, which, again, the Senate... We were that was stacked up against the Republicans. They had to defend over twenty seats. Do you know in twenty twenty four, in two years, the Senate is going to be favorably uh, favorable to the Republicans. Yeah, and and, we and they they should be able to pick up even more because there's going to be more Democrats on the hot seat. Well, right now, in terms of the Senate, there are there are uh, still three seats in play. And, you know, Nevada, Arizona, and, of course, we've talked about Georgia and the runoff. And there's a very, and right now the Republicans have 49 and the Democrats have 48. So there is still a chance there. And on the House, when you look at the electoral, electoral map on the House, it's turning red. I mean, we right now, there are 32 House seats in play, still in play. There are, We have 211 Republican seats now and 192 Democrats. So the House needs to get 218 I mean, the Republicans need to get 218 to get the majority. They're only seven seats away from doing that. And there are 32 seats in play. So there is still a there's a very, very good chance that we're going to take the take the House. And there is a pretty good chance that we're going to get the Senate. So it so to your point and the questions you were asking, Scott. Yeah, perhaps the objectives were achieved. Maybe there were some anomalies that happened and things that we're still shaking our heads about, like Fetterman in Pennsylvania. But overall, many of the objectives were met. Well, it still bothers the heck out of me that Karl Rove and Mitch McConnell in their super PAC financed Josh Shapiro over Mastriano. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? I mean, why would you, you know, again, one thing I always thought was the guiding principle was party before divisions within party and that people would go for the good of the GOP instead of uh, a particular special interest group within the GOP. And the same goes for the other side, for the for the Democrats. But when you're go, you're suddenly going to the other side because that's a better option than one of your own, that's problematic. I mean, don't you think so? I uh, definitely think so. So this was uh, this was printed in October twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, and it says Carl Rove's establishment super PAC backing Josh Shapiro over Doug Mastriano because, of course, it is. Are you tired of Republican establishment yet? If not, you just might be after reading this story. Okay, so. Um, it says, Doug Mastriano is currently trailing Shapiro by 10 percentage points, all right, according to Real, Real Clear Politics. It says, but it appears Rove and his buddy, 
buddies are seeking to strengthen Shapiro's lead over Mastriano by running a television ad that uses Democratic Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman as a foil. The video features footage of Fetterman claiming to be tough on crime. Then it moves to a woman who says John Fetterman's record on crime is crazy. Another notes he is not like most Democrats. Still another person points out the dozens of times he was only vote uh, only vote pardoned criminals. Okay, I don't know what, I'm just reading it. One of the narr- narrators argues 225 times Josh Shapiro voted against the criminals, but Fetterman voted to release them. So it's basically using Fetterman as a uh, scapegoat to promote Shapiro. Do you get it? Yes, I get it. And um, here's here's an ad beginning uh, being run in Pennsylvania. It's designed to pump up Democratic gubernatorial candidate Josh Shapiro by making him look less appealing compared to jo- John uh, Fetterman. It was paid for by American Crossroads, a Republican. Let's, let's take a listen. His record on crime is crazy. He's not like most Democrats. Dozens of times he was the only vote to pardon criminals. 225 times, Josh Shapiro voted against the criminals. But Fetterman voted to release them. That's nuts. Fetterman's way more radical than Shapiro. What's wrong with this guy? American Crossroads is responsible for the content of this advertisement. That sounds like a boost for Shapiro. Certainly does. They spent two and a half million dollars on that ad. Yeah. That's Carl Rove and Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell's part of American Crossroads. Yeah. And he's the leader of the Senate. This is where they kill their own. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't understand that. I mean I really don't understand that. I think that's a situation where, you know, we've you can call it whatever you want. You can say uh the threat from within, the fifth column, et cetera, but there's something going on here. Yeah, two and a half million dollars to boost Shapiro uh, using Fetterman as a foil because they couldn't outright uh, bash Mastriano. Right. Uh, that would that would be too obvious. Right. But what they're doing is they're doing sleight of hand stuff, mm-hmm. and that's uh, the problem. Is is Karl Rove knows right from wrong, but he's a snake. He's 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 got his little whiteboard, you know, with yeah. his little chalk, you know, yeah. little little pen. Yep. And he's still doing that old <clears throat> shtick. Yeah. And and he's acting like he cares about the Republican Party. No. He is a uh, Lincoln Project disciple. Mm-hmm. He's no different than the Trump haters from the Lincoln Project. They they all like to call themselves conservatives. They're neocons. They love the prophets of war. But they don't uh, support the American people at all. They're all about uh, making money off of the government and off of wars and off of globalism. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Globalism, when I say globalism, I'm really talking about climate and mm-hmm. COVID yeah. and uh, blockchain, um, uh, digital currency. You know... I read a report yesterday where 12 new countries have joined BRICS. Mm-hmm. Now, BRICS is Brazil, uh, Russia, 
India, China, and South Africa. That's what BRICS stands for. Okay? That's yeah. the acronym. But there are probably over 20 countries now that want to join BRICS. And once they do, guess what's going to happen? <clears throat> it's going to be Armageddon in the United States. Yeah. Forget about World War Three. It's going to be... America is going to end up looking more like Venezuela yeah. than, than any European state. We're going to be the weakest country out of all the European countries because of the way we're handling our elections, the way we're opening our borders. It's senseless. I mean, everything we're doing is senseless. You have the Biden crime family in charge of this Green New Deal, pushing wind and solar down our throats. And of course, Elon Musk is loving it. Uh, just just yesterday, um, Tucker Carlson was censored on Twitter. So has Twitter changed? I don't think so. Not so much. Elon Musk and... And the CEO of Disney was the first to leave the Trump administration's business uh, uh, panel over the Paris Accord. They were always into this Green New Deal. So I don't trust Elon Musk as far as I could throw them. Throw him. I, I do love Twitter. I love I love the platform, but I think that there's a lot of games being played, and there's a lot of um, smoke and mirrors. I also think that, see, I think that politics in general and media in general has gotten to be very complicated. Yeah, it it, it didn't used to be this complicated. Very complex. It, you know, it used to be more like, okay, you have this side, you have that side, you try to get the people most attention. To, people used to own what they sold, right? And you, have good, you also used to have heroes and villains. Now you don't know who's who. Right, and, and Every, I think that's made it extremely complicated. And do you know where we learned that from? We learned that from the terrorists. Yeah, because they would fly planes into buildings, or they would um, blow up planes, hijack planes, and no one would claim ownership of it. And you'd say, "Well, how can you retaliate when you don't know who the perpetrator was?" And that was like um, considered guerrilla-like tactics, guerrilla tactics. You know, like. Um, and they did that even in the revolution days, in the 1700s, 1800s. They, they, they were doing that, hiding behind trees and, and wearing, um, you know, the other team's uh, clothing and infiltrating. You know, it's not new strategy, but what I am saying is it was not the strategy that um, we had in, like, say, when it was America and Japan. You remember how people used to talk? We used to have a war, and then the one team would win, and then you'd sit on a ship and you'd mm-hmm. sign a treaty mm-hmm. and de- declare we won, you lost, right? And it was real straight, yeah, easy to understand. And then the winning team can cheer, you know, uh, blow up confetti uh, on on the streets of New York City. Yep, uh, the pictures we've seen. But we never really did think about the other guy 
you know, what, what was left of Japan when mm-hmm. we left. You know, we, yeah. we were just relishing in our own victory, and that was probably not smart. But the point is, is that now, you know, as much as we hated terrorism, we had to say, well, terrorism kind of worked. And, uh, you know, you, you can create a lot of damage and a lot of fear. I mean, look at, look at the way our world has changed. When we go and get on a plane, we have to go take our shoes off, our belt off. We have to go through all kinds of scanners and, and take our laptops out and, you know, all these things. All because a few people blew up planes. Right. And, and, there and was, it's changed our world forever. And there were concerns about terrorism going back to the 70s. It's not like it was a new thing, but it suddenly well, became... Munich, 1972. It suddenly became... Um, more the expectation Uh, after 9-11 everything turned around where you were shocked that people had found a new way uh, to commit acts of terror but you know it's uh, the world that we're living in right now is a a completely different world than we used to live in and I think you know you go back to the just going back to the election right now I think you are seeing people behaving in ways that we didn't anticipate people picking horses that they ordinarily wouldn't bet on for reasons that are not necessarily apparent but what we're learning also is that the terrorists were just paid employees yeah yeah they were paid employees just like ISIS was uh, not a terrorist group. They were mercenaries paid to secure oil pipelines that were ungoverned in Iraq after we blew up Iraq. Yeah. And it was European corporate uh, interests and African corporate interests that financed it. But, but and, the only- and so, so, you know, those oil pipelines, uh, their competitor... Was Russia. Well, but the reason why you got... And that's why they, they hated Russia. The reason why you got those paid employees was because you have a loss of god of godliness and you have a loss of a moral center in the world. You know, we laughed six well, years... Well, these black uh, markets are very profitable. We laughed seven years ago when Marie Harf made the comment about all you need is a good jobs program. Yeah. Well, in a way, she was right because the reason why you had so much recruiting happening with ISIS is because these people... These youth were restless. They had no. They had no money. They, they and they didn't care. And and the moral center was gone. And that's how they became uh, soldiers in that war. And that's what we need to be thinking about a lot. Is what's happening to our world in terms of people's moral center. Um, the, we've we've eradicated God out of so many different things, and we've eradicated a sense of right and wrong. And and that's why people become prey to terrorism. And they become, and then on a more basic level, you know, a less serious level, they become prey to just a, a selfishness where they, they don't think about the long-term consequences. Well, you know how Trump said in the beginning of COVID that the cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. Exactly. We well, allowed that to happen with 9-11. Well, we allowed the cure to be worse and, and the same. No, no, because Patriot Act. The Patriot right? Act, yeah. The Patriot Act was what Obama abused to allow James Clapper to spy on everybody's cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. To, 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 all this wiretapping, right? All this data collection, metadata. And when he said not wittingly, he was lying. Yeah. And so the point is, is that the Patriot Act was just yet one more example 
where, you know, um, Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And what he's talking about is uh, there's opportunities in every chaos. And when there was chaos in the wake of 9-11, Americans gave, ceded some of their civil rights and civil liberties and, you know, search and seizure uh, liberties, to be sure. Well, because because everybody was feeling very vulnerable. But we gave it up for temporary we gave but it up. guess what? It, it became permanent. It became permanent, and then more than twenty years later, we are close to twenty years later. We have COVID, and COVID people give it away more, and then you're just, and then they, and now with the advances in technology, and people do willingly tell people where they are on social media all the time. We're we're allowing ourselves to be tracked yeah. under the um, aegis of you know making friends or finding thi- well, things things you know, that you're interested you, in. You better than a lot of people know the history of Facebook. Yeah, well, I remember, and, and that was to me that was a government operation. You know, I remember um, I was working for Chase at the time, and we had a group that was dedicated. And this is going back to around 2005 or so. There was a group that was uh, dedicated to marketing credit cards to students, and they brought up Facebook, and they said, "Well, there's this new thing called Facebook," and you know, the term comes from the college, uh, you know, the freshman handbook where you get a chance to look at all the pictures of people. So they made an electronic version of it, and I think the original idea behind it was you would know who. The pretty people were and the bad people were and blah 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 by look by looking at this book same thing goes when you put it online but the thing that stands out to me all these years later is i remember there was something about currency and you could earn currency you could earn points you could earn and they use this term you could earn social credits and this is 17 years ago I heard that. Social term. credits. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, That's a social credit and, scoring system. And it was it was But it in sounded its, cute then. It, it doesn't sound cute anymore. Well, it doesn't. In those days, it sounded like, okay, <laughs> you could make credits. You could, you know, it sounded like, I don't know, you'd have some type of credit to meeting somebody at a frat party or whatever it was. I mean, the roots may have been innocent, but it, it ended up having a more dangerous um, Absolutely. iteration as it, it went along. So, yeah, I mean... But we gave up our rights temporarily for the Patriot Act. That never went away. We're still impacted negatively by that. Then technology uh, bridged that gap, and now we willingly turn our GPSs on with our Apple and Android phones. We... Sign disclaimers like we don't even read. And do you ever read the uh, legal agreement between you and Twitter or you and Facebook? I scan it a little oh, bit. And, I don't. Well, you no, know, I know I scan. I, I, I scan it a little bit because, but and, and when it's been in a business context, yeah. I've, I've read it more carefully. But I do get concerned whenever I have the option um, of you know sharing something and i don't need and i don't need to do the actual sharing to do what i'm trying to do i i don't i opt to not share i support elon musk's decision to uh eight dollars for twitter blue yeah i support it because i think that once you start paying you you actually get a lot for your money and what i'm saying is it's not the social media impact what it is, is it becomes a different relationship where they don't own you anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
How would you like to be owned? Yeah. You know, will, will you pay me $8 so I can own you? I mean, I mean, or I'll pay you $8 and I, I want to own you for eight bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's absurd, right? You would never want to be owned. You know, you're not going to take $8 and then have someone own you. Right. But the reason why people right? are saying yes to that, though, is we are, we've come into a culture where everybody wants to be a movie star, a reality star, no, no, no. and they want that blue check. Okay. They want that no, visibility. No, no. It's not, to, to me, it's not about that. It's, it's about bots. It's about all these bots. Guess what? These bots don't have credit cards. Right. So there are more bots than there are people. It's smoke and mirrors, like you keep saying. Thousands, of, probably millions of bots, right? And these these uh, Twitter farms and stuff like that. So what he's going to do is he's going to take a limitation on the non-Twitter blow. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you want to really be functional on Twitter, you're going to have to pay eight bucks. Okay, fine. So he's going to turn it into that relationship. That relationship, for my $8, I'm going to get what I agree to, yeah. right? I'm going to get this, that, and the other. And I'm also going to be verified because I have a credit card. So, you know, there's these shady companies with, with bot farms. Mm-hmm. And literally, I've seen uh, pictures of it where it's a wall of cell phones mm-hmm. that are just churning yeah. out information, yeah. right? <clears throat> and... Those accounts are going to be irrelevant because they're going to be limited as to how many tweets they can do. And that's going to basically, because you can't find every bot, right? Yeah. But what you can do is control the volume. And uh, after a while, they're just going to hit hit a wall and they're going to become irrelevant. And nobody's going to be paying for the bot farm. They're not going to be paying $8. Mm-hmm. So I think that the $8 is a great way to filter out the crap and get legit and i think when we see that you're going to see people with a million followers that get very little engagement you're going to see those numbers straighten up real quick and you're going to find out who the real fraudsters are and you're going to also um i think see how many republicans there are compared to democrats Mm -hmm. and i think it's going to go a long way in terms of election integrity. Yeah. Because I know that the that the reason why the big tech is censored is because conservative uh, viewpoints were taking over their platforms. And that is the reason why they got into the censor business. Okay? Yeah. And uh, the reason why there was so much volume is because our country is a conservative country that whose conservatism is Christian-oriented that runs counter to the globalist agenda, mm-hmm. which is a very liberal agenda. And so, therefore, what I'm saying is you cannot have global globalism unless the United States gets involved. And it's only the Democrats in the United States that are embracing or the neocons which are in my opinion democrats as as well lindsey graham to me is a democrat i don't care what he says about you know his recent comments about walker and and warnock on their runoff um he's acting like a fighter right now but lindsey graham is the biggest sellout 
he's a, he's a terrible senator, and uh, I don't know why South Carolinians uh, keep voting for him. Uh, the only reason why they didn't primary him out is because he they used COVID to cancel his primary. Yeah. He got six more years as a yeah. result of that. The next time he ever has to run, I hope that they put a strong candidate against him and get him out of there. Mitt Romney will never win another election. Yeah. Um, and already, you know, you look at this. They're talking about the red wave, and we talked about this in the beginning. We've achieved our objectives. If we win back the Senate, that's going to be... To me, a huge, uh, huge accomplishment, mm-hmm. considering how many seats we had to defend as Republicans in the Senate this year. It was a bad year for mm-hmm. Republicans. Uh, Democrats were actually expecting mm-hmm. a pickup. Yeah. But we could literally take back the Senate with Laxalt winning in Nevada, which is looking pretty likely. Yeah. Although the numbers keep getting narrower and narrower mm-hmm. and again it can only be fraud at this point we're becoming we're looking like a banana republic already it can only be fraud that they can't count 27,000 votes or 60,000 votes in 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 hours yeah oh and and here's the other point trump uh, uh tucker makes a really good point about this he he talks about the mechanics of the election and I think that the mechanics of the election are sus- suspicious, yeah. suspect. Yeah. And um, and no matter how you know, like, no matter how you get to the point, Leonora, yeah. no matter how you get to this point, you got to say, okay, I know you want illegals to vote, or I know you want everybody to vote. I know that you 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 have this. Uh, this utopia where you don't want to suppress anyone's vote. Well, you're not suppressing anyone's vote. If a person can't get up off, off the sofa, stand up and literally go to the voting booth and vote on election day, then, you know, then get somebody, then, then fill, fill out a, a special form and say you're an invalid. You, right. you can't do it, right? But, Oh, I I have to say that this whole thing about voting, like luxury voting, like convenience voting, it's like it's like you can't get out of your trimest- car. It's like voting trimester. Like you could drive by and drop it off. You never even have to get out of your car. You don't have to stand up at all. You could just sit down and fill it out. Sit down in your car and drop it off. Are you that lazy? Well, Does also, your country not matter to you that much? Well, let me let me just say something. There is there is something about the experience of voting in person. It's you take an ownership of the experience. You make the commitment that you're going to show up at the polls. <laughs> you sit there. You go through it. You're in. You're part of your community. Standing online, you go through the process. The the whole idea of absentee voting is I've said many times it was for military college students and people for some other reason who could not get to the polls. It was not intended to be a process that goes on for months at people's convenience. It's not supposed to be all that convenient. You're supposed to. It's supposed to be. This is the day. This is the day we make our commitment and we go out and we show our support for our candidates. That's it. <laughs> you know, you have an extenuating circumstance because you're outside of your state. That's the definition. You're in the military. You're not at home where you ordinarily would be. You're in college. You may not be where you ordinarily would be. 
Do you know that Florida has millions and millions more voters than Nevada and Arizona? Yeah. Why is it that they were able to count all the votes? Because they had rules. They had, you know, they, they learned from what ID. they learned from what happened in 2000 in they one have, county. Apparently, they have strict voter ID laws. Yeah. And uh, they don't really uh, promote the vote by mail business, although they do some of that, I'm sure. Well, they have to do but a little bit. I don't think we should ever do that. And and I think that what what uh, Nevada and uh, Arizona and even Pennsylvania, I would say, um, are great examples as to why it is that we're not capable of doing this kind of electioneering. Ballot harvesting, ever since that early voting and mail-in balloting and uh, drop-off balloting and ballot harvesting, ever since these things were introduced, you've had, not only have you had an a spike in people not believing in the system mm-hmm. and believing that there is fraud because you don't have chain of custody. You don't have a pen in someone's hand physically there. You know, it's like a Zoom call over a uh, uh, an in-person meeting, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows an in-person meeting is more substantial than a Zoom call. Yeah. You could be wearing under you could be wearing underwear underneath your suit jacket, mm-hmm. right? And you could be sitting in your chair like some goofball, right? But when you're in a meeting, you got to actually put your pants on yeah. and your shoes on. You have to tie your shoelaces. You know, you have to sit there and you have to wait. You have to fill in, sign in. It, it's way more legitimate than Zoom meetings. Although right? Zoom forced people to be more present than just being on a f- conference call where nobody saw you. Well, who was that CNN guy, though, that, you know, was, was in the bathtub? The business? Yeah, the lawyer was in the bathtub. Yes. No, the guy that was masturbating. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. He was in the bathtub. It's a lawyer. I'm forgetting his name now. But yeah, Jeffrey, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting it. Yeah. But, but any of that. It's not, it's not important that we remember his name. But anyway, the point is, is that um, I didn't know he was in the bathtub, though. I, I, I know he was sitting. Maybe he wasn't in the bathtub. I don't know. Doing some super stuff, but in any case, it, it's what you can do with the Zoom call, right? Show your face, and that's it. Jeffrey um, Tubin. Yeah, yeah, that's who it was. I couldn't, and he was a. I said a lawyer. He was a CNN legal correspondent. Yeah. All right. In any case, uh, we got to get back to the le- you know the legitimacy of elections. It's the most important thing that we do, and where we have legitimate. Elections, it seems like we win big. Ohio, Florida used to be, you know, real tight states. They're not anymore. Yeah. And and how is it then that Florida and, and Ohio are really ruby red now? I love that expression, ruby red. But but Pennsylvania, Arizona. it And by the way, it's the same states. Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin. You know, they all have these goofy laws. They're all run by liberals. Um, Pennsylvania's run by a liberal. Yeah. Arizona's run by a, a liberal conservative, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Katie Hobbs is in charge of her own election. Yeah, we've right? talked about that. And she's a li- she's a uber liberal. Colorado's run by a liberal, and uh, you know, Lauren Bobart is now ahead. You know, she's winning. She's gonna win. Um, but still, all these states where it's really close or it's 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 weird uh, outcomes. They're run by liberals. And the states that are run by Republicans 
that basically just have good, fair elections. They're not even close. And I what I what I'm saying is the reason why I'm tying the social media and Elon Musk and, and the eight Twitter blue and the eight dollars is I think that you're gonna see how many conservatives it's gonna drown out the, the liberal messaging on Twitter. And if Facebook were to go that same route, because Facebook is about to go out of business. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're getting crushed. This week they laid off thousands of people, and you know how they did it? They did it in an email. Yeah, they sent people an email. You're you're laid off. You're, That's a terrible to way to fire people. Yeah, and then Elon Musk is wanting his employees to work forty hours in the office. Good for him. You know. Again, I'm not the biggest Elon Musk fan, and he's not the biggest Trump fan. And I think that there are some issues, um, and there's still censorship going on at Twitter. And they're losing a lot of corporate business. Um, there was a list of 22 companies that are stopped advertising on Twitter. And I don't know if it's because he, of the way he fired people I think it or could be a because combination. of the free speech position. I think it's a little bit of both, depending yeah. on your position. I don't think people were I, – I think on one hand, some people felt – the liberals felt, okay, he's going to give more um, airing time to conservatives. And then I think others more broadly felt, <laughs> wait a moment, he comes in and he just fired a bunch of people. So, so I think that accusation uh, cuts across party lines. So Trump is relentless. Trump uh, truth out yeah. on Truth Social. Yeah. The, the sanctimonious, he's going with it. He's sticking to it. He's sticking to it. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a one, onesie. I thought it was a one-time thing. He did that on Saturday. And then he didn't do it on Sunday, and he didn't do it around on Monday. On Monday. So now that the election is over, now he's going back to it. And you know... It's interesting. Um, Do do you have it in front of you? No, I don't have it in front of you. Okay, I'm going to read it. He says this. He says, Ron (laughs) DeSanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asks him if he's going to run if President Trump runs. And he says, I'm only focused on the governor race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class... That's really not the right answer. All right. So, you know, I agree with Trump and I stand with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And um, Marjorie Taylor Greene has uh, has made this statement and I'm standing with Marjorie Taylor Greene on this statement. I played it yesterday. I'm going to play it today. And here it is. Now, they're trying to blame President Trump today. And I want to tell you how short-sighted and ridiculous that is. It is, it is pathetic. The people that are running out saying, it's Trump's fault. No, that is a lazy, pathetic, wimpy, easy mindset. They just want one thing, and then they want to carry on without doing the hard work, the real changes in the Republican Party, and the way we fight the fight. Here's why it's not Trump's fault. Trump has been being politically persecuted for the past few years now, ever since January 6th. He went out and did 30 Save America rallies all over the country. He endorsed something like 285 candidates. He held over 50 fundraisers, um, helped raise over $350 million for all these public tax stations. President Trump is at the, isn't the problem. President Trump is doing everything he can to help Republicans across this country and help Republicans win while he is being politi- politically persecuted worse than any human being in our country's history. That's the real truth. 
people that want to blame Trump, they are lazy, and that's the problem. We have to do the real work to fix our issues in our party, to fix issues in our state elections and all over the country. We have to we have to wrap up those issues instead of blaming one man. So I'm not going to have that today. It needs to end, and I'm sick and tired of it. We have to figure out how to come together and work this party. And, Steve, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be pushing as hard as possible in the front on how to do that because I have a clear vision for it, but it's going to require a lot of people doing the hard work. Can't solve problems overnight. Have to actually do the hard work to make it happen. All right. So to me, that's a perfect, bold statement. And, you know, one of the things that the uh, Paul Ryans and the Carl Roves and the Mitch McConnells and even the Kevin McCarthy's are doing is they're trying to get rid of Trump. Yeah. They've been trying to get rid of Trump with Lindsey Graham's help. Uh, they've been trying to get rid of Trump since 2015. And they all used to say, you know, played down Trump as, a, you know, a joke. And then he became president. He was no longer a joke. Then he pretty much, you know, was a train wreck to globalism. NATO, European Union, the whole thing. He got out of the Paris Accord. He he basically called climate uh, a hoax. And it is a hoax. They're using it for regulating business and gaining control of the banks and stuff like that. Just listen to Greta, Greta Thunberg on that. And um, so it's clear to me that he was a big existential threat to globalism because globalism, globalism doesn't work without multinational corporate uh, uh, support. And America is the biggest asset mm-hmm. of the multinational assets. Yeah. Right? So without America, nothing works. Mm-hmm. So Trump understood that. And right now, you know, they would love nothing more than to move along and... I, I've heard a lot of rumors, and I've talked with several different people that have suggested that DeSantis was supported and in alliance with some of the rhino establishment. And and that means that, you know, people like Mitch McConnell, you know, and uh, Kevin McCarthy, where, you know, DeSantis used to be a congressman. Yeah. You know, let's not forget that. And I love DeSantis. I think he's great. Okay. I think he's wonderful. And I think I would love to see him as president for eight years. But I definitely think that Trump deserves another four years. And I think that from the America First perspective and the MAGA perspective and the border security perspective and the climate hoax perspective, and the COVID hoax perspective and pulling out of these multinational uh, climate agreements and peace in the Middle East perspectives. I think Trump is the best person for that job. Mm-hmm. And it's the powers of the, you know, when you talk, when you look at the funding, the Republican candidates, the MAGA candidates were outfunded tremendously. Do you know that Mitch McConnell pulled $9 million from Blake Masters and gave Mm -hmm. it to Lisa Murkowski? Yeah. And she was running against a MAGA opponent. 
And Blake Masters was running against Kelly, yeah. you know, a, uh, a Democrat. So that's where Mitch, cocaine Mitch's interests are. And I think that that's wrong. And then he also, um, Carl Rove and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell used American, uh, that pack we talked about yep. in the beginning of the show, to finance a liberal Shapiro over another MAGA. I, I actually think that these people are as bad as the Lincoln Project. Yeah, they are. John McCain's, um, one of the head guys of the Lincoln Project that hates Trump the most, is, is, was John McCain's um, campaign manager. That Schmidt guy. Right. Steve Schmidt. Yeah. And, you know, you got Kellyanne Conway, her husband, George Conway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Hey, look, I wanted to play uh, a Tucker Carlson's Open, and we're running out of time, and I, w- I want to get this in. So let's, let's go ahead and play this. A lot more than half of the entire population of the entire state of Arizona lives in Maricopa County. The cities of Mesa, Tempe, Scottsdale, and largest of all, Phoenix, are all within the county's borders. If you want to win statewide in Arizona, you have to win Maricopa County. Unfortunately, as of tonight, we still don't know who has won Maricopa County, either in the U.S. Senate race there or in the governor's race in Arizona, because officials are not even close to finishing the count. 48 hours after the voting stopped, there are still 633,000 ballots still uncounted in Arizona. More than 400,000 of those are in Maricopa County. You're seeing it on your screen right now. When will we know the results? Last night, election officials claimed they'd have a new tally for us by 8 p.m. Eastern, the beginning of our show. But the deadline came and went. By the end of the night, they had finished counting fewer than 70,000 more votes. Then they said they'd have final totals by Friday, tomorrow. But no. Today, the county officials said they don't expect to announce the results of the elections until next week at the earliest. When do you anticipate the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000 plus votes? Well, we have, uh, we will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies, uh, again, pursuant to Arizona law. But I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Early next week, can you give me a day? Are we early, talking Monday? Or we- may, may, maybe, I, as long as you won't hold it to, hold me to it. Can you tell us, Mr. Official, Mr. Election Official, when we might learn who won the election? Maybe, as long as you don't hold me to it. That was the chairman of the Maricopa County Supervisors. Notice what you did not hear in that exchange. You did not hear an apology. The guy in charge of election results never said sorry for not providing those results. It's hard to understand this. It's not a resource problem, certainly. The budget of Maricopa County is about $4.5 billion a year. For perspective, the entire Hoover Dam cost $890 million to build. And yes, that is in adjusted dollars. So for the price of five Hoover Dams, Maricopa County can't even count the ballots in a single statewide election in a country that claims to care about democracy. They can't even manage to let people vote on Election Day. On Election Day, according to the county, 70 of 223 polling places suffered major problems with voting machines. Machines the county paid millions for just recently. And their failure disenfranchised mostly Republican voters who wanted to cast their ballots in person. One poll worker reported that 25% of ballots were being rejected. Now you would call that third world, but actually it's beneath third world. Most third world countries have serious elections. They require voter ID. 
They don't wait days for election results in Ghana, in Venezuela, whatever you think of it. They tally their ballots within hours. But suddenly we can't manage to do that? Clark County, Nevada, the home of Las Vegas, says there are still tens of thousands of ballots left to count. Therefore, we're not going to know what happened in the election until Monday, we hope. We're going to talk to Adam Laxalt about that in a minute. He's running for Senate there. Officials in Clark County are clearly overwhelmed. They're too busy to finish the one job they are paid to do. And yet, strangely, they still have time to attack Donald Trump on social media, which they've been doing all day. First things first. But it's not just Nevada and Arizona. Key house races all along the west coast of the country, in California, Oregon, and Washington State, are still unsettled tonight. They're saying they haven't counted the votes. Really? What is this? Is this fraud? We're not sure. And on some level, it doesn't matter what it is. What we know is that the mechanics of our elections are not working, almost exclusively in states and cities run by Democrats. Are they cheating? Are they disorganized? Again, not relevant. The system is obviously out of control. It's flaky. And systems like that cannot be, by definition, reliable. Would you let a Maricopa County elections official fly your aircraft? Probably not. That's a disaster. Democracy is a faith-based system. You have to believe in it in order for it to work. But who could believe in this? So our news media, in case you haven't noticed, has spent the last several years, quote, defending democracy, insert trademark here. So you'd think that democracy defenders would care about the collapse of democracy, but just the opposite. They're telling you it's all completely normal. It's always been this way. If you disagree, you'll be censored on social media, as we found out today. Twitter just slapped a warning label on videos from this show because we reported verifiable facts from election officials about election screw-ups. So it's taking weeks to count the ballots in your democracy, but you're not allowed to notice it. What is this about? Again, we're not sure, and at this stage, there's really no way to know what it's about, so we're not making allegations. But we thought we'd ask, because it'd be interesting to ask, the most obvious question of all and see if we could find the answer. And the question is, who's benefiting from this? And how do you know? Well, you look backwards. So in cases where there was chaos and delays in vote counting over the past several election cycles, what percentage of the ultimate winners turned out to be Democrats? Now, in a fair system, you would think the proportion would land somewhere around 50%, a coin toss. But we checked. Oh, and that's not the case. In 13 recent races we looked at where election delays were well publicized, 10 of them ultimately went to the Democrat. 10 out of 13, 77%. That's not a coin toss. That's a very high average. Take, for example, the 2018 election in Orange County, California. Republican congressional candidates in three of the four Republican-held districts in Orange County had huge leads on Election Day. But in the weeks following the election, those leads disappeared. They evaporated. In the end, Democrats flipped each of those seats in Orange County, which not that long ago was a very conservative area, and some places still is. So how did that happen? Well, the San Francisco Chronicle reported that 250,000 vote-by-mail drop-off ballots came in. Many of those ballots were brought into polling stations by paid ballot harvesters. The Orange County Register put it this way, quote, People were carrying in stacks of 100 and 200 of them. We had multiple people calling to ask if these people were allowed to do this. But of course they were allowed. That was the point. These sudden reversals didn't just happen in Orange County, California. In the state's 21st congressional district, the Associated Press declared Republican David Villado the winner because of his lead on election night. And it takes a lot. The AP does not call races for Republicans unless they're pretty sure. 
But in this case, they had to retract the call nearly three weeks later after his opponent took the lead, the Democrat, because new ballots continued to be counted. That same year, again in Nevada, one local paper documented the lengthy problems in vote counting on election night and, of course, the inevitable result, which you can guess by this point. And we're quoting. After a long evening of tortuous delay following a historic midterm election turnout, the results were finally in and the blue wave promised by Nevada Democrats became a definitive reality. It was the same story that year in places like Detroit and, again, Arizona. It took days for all the votes to be counted in the state of Arizona. And ultimately, you will not be shocked to learn, Republican Martha McSally narrowly lost her race for the Senate. So here you have lengthy delays in vote counting followed by good news for Democrats. It's happened all over the country. In 2020, it took officials six weeks to declare a winner in the Democratic Party's congressional primary for two districts in the state of New York. And in the end, because these were primaries, it was an intra-Democratic Party contest, the Democratic Party establishment, the most powerful part of the Democratic Party, won. Longtime Congresswoman Carol Maloney fended off an insurgent progressive successfully after long delays, and then Richie Torres defeated his challenger, who was a conservative Democrat. Weird how that works. Several years earlier, the same thing happened to Republicans in Sacramento. On election night in 2014 in the suburbs of the city, it looked like a Republican challenger called Doug Osei was about to unseat an incumbent Democratic congressman, Ami Berra. The Republican was up more than 3,000 votes. But then, two weeks later, more votes came in, and guess what? The Democrat was declared the winner by 700 votes. And he's been in Congress ever since. In all the recent cases that we looked at, only the state of Florida had a long voting count delay that led to a Republican winning, and it was in just one county. That was in the 2018 Florida gubernatorial election, when incompetent Democrats in Broward County broke the law and failed to report vote totals for days. Ultimately, as you know, Ron DeSantis won. On Tuesday, thanks to efforts to improve vote counting in the state of Florida, Florida tabulated results much more quickly. So Florida is far bigger than Arizona or Nevada, but, by contrast, had its election results, as you know, in a single day. And by the way, Florida enforces voter ID law strictly. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, it goes on a little bit more uh, on that path, but you get the idea, right? Uh, anyway, we're out, of, uh, we're out of time. I want to encourage everybody to support our sponsors. Uh, Genesis Gold is our gold partner. Uh, you can call them at 800-385-4653. That's 1-800-385-GOLD. Also, check out Tactical Civics to find out how you can take back your country locally. Use Red State over at MyPillow. And if you want to make a donation to support MAGA, go to magapack.org. With that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Corbett. And we'll please remember to thank your and recognize our veterans. Yes. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.